We've been in a series on framework, and so as Wednesday played out, known Nathan and Barbara for about 30 years, and I uh, know both of their kids since they were in diapers, and, um, and being with Nathan and, and trying to navigate all that's went on. One thing that we've always purposed in our heart at Coastlines to be a real church, real people, life happens. So if you're visiting with us today, it's a little bit different. Um, I don't know if you are visiting with us. It's usually this full, but surely there's a couple of you guys in here that have never been here before. And maybe you came and heard, hey, man, I heard the pastor was really energetic and had a lot of illustrations and made you laugh and not a lot. I don't know about that. Maybe you can come back next week. But, but here's, a, here's a striking question that, that as I've tried to navigate the last 72 hours, if you will, with some very close friends of mine and and being a pastor and, and trying to be there and on so many different levels, uh, the, the, the main question that I finally pushed away with yes, yesterday afternoon, I was able to get away and, and make it to church last night and preach. And, and you know, there's that part of me that, uh, I guess the denial part of what was going on, I was just going to preach the sermon series we were in, right? That's what you do. You just keep going. And, uh, and I'll, I'll pick that back up next week. But, but... God just, just arrested my heart because I had so many questions for God. And, and so I think the, the first thing that I want to say is it's okay to have questions for God. Did you know that? It's okay to have questions for God as long as those questions don't turn into doubt and as long as that doubt doesn't turn into unbelief. God, the Bible says in Romans that he were adopted into the family of God. He, he, and we cry out through that adoption, Abba, Father. Uh, which daddy it's it's uh it's the one who who cares for us and many of us in this room may have had dads or fathers that let us down but god's that perfect father he'll never let us down and so i i began to think about things that were transpiring and and the rapidness and and when i finally got alone with god or through times of just pressing away and hanging up the phone dealing with this or that or the other for nathan i i finally came to rest with my own my own, I guess, aggressiveness towards God or questions towards God. And it was this, do you care? God, do you really care? And, and, and again, if you're visiting with us, just stick with me. <laughs> but I don't think any of us in this room right now could be truthful with ourselves if we didn't say that we've lived through a, a period of our life, circumstance in our life, Things that happen in our life where we ask that question, God, do you care? Do you really care? Do you, do you know me? You know, I hear people say that you know everything and you created everything, but here I am and, and, and all this bad stuff is happening to me or things are going on around me. And, and so there's a very valid question as Christ followers and maybe you're here, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. But, but, but the question still may remain in your own heart, in your own life. Do you care? God, do you really care? And as we walk through life, we know that the Bible says that we will have trouble in this world, but take heart. Christ has overcome the world. You know, the Bible, nowhere, I don't know where, what you know about the Bible or maybe what kind of church you've been to, but nowhere in this book that we preach does it say that life's going to be hunky-dory. As a matter of fact, it says when sin entered in through Adam, death came. 
Tragedy came. And, and from that point forward, the Bible is a love story of God trying to pull humanity back to him all the way to the New Testament where he sends his only son to die for the sins of humanity. But the valid question, the question that, that some of us maybe have in this room even asked, and I know I have over the last, do you care? Do you care, God? And, and, and the, the rawness of that question. And, you know, I've given my life to this. I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 18 years. I, uh, I've been doing ministry longer than that. And, and, and the idea of, God, why do good things happen to bad people? I know a lot of bad people. You know, and there's a temptation to say, God, why don't you let that happen to them? Like, why, why, why do you allow suffering? Why do you allow these things, God? And, and then obviously we go back to that we live in a fallen world. But the question just kept resounding in reference to Barbara, in reference to, to Nathan and his family as, as close friends and staff members. And, and then you can take that issue and whatever issue you, you may be going through in your life. But I would submit to you that I believe that we've all asked that question, God, do you care? And here's the wonderful thing about Christianity. Christianity, it, it falls into that realm of there's no other religion. There's no other tricks. There's no, no other magic tricks. There's no other books you can read. There's no other thing that you can say. There's no, it, there's no other religion that professes a God that would allow you to ask those tough questions and yet answer them in love. Answer them through a book. His love letter to us. Answer them through situations, circumstances, and other people that would come along our way and say, yes, he does care. So, so I began to ask God this question. And even yesterday, it broke away from the Lambert's house. I went home, took a shower, and told my wife, yeah, we're just going to mention Monday night and then push on with the series. And the Holy Spirit was like, I don't know if that's right. And so, so then at that point, I'm like, okay, well, God, what, well, then what do you say? And, and God kind of spoke to my heart, well, what do you say? And I said, do you care? Do you really care? And, and he took me to four places in the Word. And this is what's neat about reading your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, in times of trial, God will bring back things from the Bible that you didn't even know you knew. But you got to read it. You got to read it. I don't profess to be a... a, a uh, theological scholar. There are so many people that are way smarter than I am. I, I'm just a normal guy who God's called to be a pastor that does read his Bible. And, and so, so God began to bring these different instances back and kind of settle me down with James 4.8. And James 4.8 says, and there'll be no scripture on the screen today. This is my heart talking to you. James 4.8 says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's Jesus talking. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There's a promise. There's a promise in that, that that not many, again, other religions make. You draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. God is the ultimate poker player. He'll always see you and raise you one. Now, I know that's not the, the, theologically correct, probably. All right, so don't go to Vegas and ask God to bet for you. But But, but in the sense that you take a step towards God, He's going to take 800 million towards you because that's how much He loves you. You draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. God, do you care? Yeah, I care, Jason. And so, so I began to, He began to lay these passages on my heart. And one was, 
in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And this is Jesus, and he's, he's on a hilltop, and he's with the disciples, and some awesome ministry going on, and miracles are happening, and there's thousands of people. He's looking upon thousands of people. And the Bible says he turns to the disciples, and he looks back at the crowds, and it says this, and Jesus looked at the multitudes, and he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed. They were faint. They were scattered abroad like sheep without a shepherd. And, and it was, and so again, I'm asking the question, God, do you care? And, and all of a sudden, Matthew 9, 36 comes in my mind. Of course I care, Jason. Look, look, this is, this is how Jesus viewed humanity. Jesus wasn't viewing the crowd as a crowd. He wasn't viewing the multitudes as if he wanted something from them, which is the perception the world has of the church, unfortunately. Jesus was looking at them, and his heart was breaking, and he was, he was looking upon the multitudes, and he was having compassion on them. The root word of compassion right there is being moved and being moved to a burden in the like state of those around you. In other words, he was feeling the burden of humanity. He wasn't just looking at a crowd. He was looking at the brokenness in the one in the crowd. And he wasn't looking at their deficiency. He was looking at what was causing their deficiency. He wasn't looking and saying, oh, you're bad because you do this and you're bad because you do this and you're bad because you do this. He was looking at them going, oh, no, 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 no. You're not bad. You're created by God. You're bad because you're flesh and you were born into a world of sin. And he was, he, he had, he had compassion. That's where we get the great missions verse, we call it. So the Bible says he turned back to the disciples and he said, pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray that he would send forth laborers. His compassion moved into action. And, and I would submit to you today that, I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like you just got lost in the crowd in reference to God? Yeah, and most of you are not going to raise your hands on that one, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, surely God's too busy. He's got things coming up like an election. <laughs> yeah, you keep laughing. You need to be praying. <laughs> surely he's too busy because he's got all these different things going on. And the Bible says he knows when a hair falls from my head. And so, God, do you even care? Where were you last Wednesday? Where, where were you when, when, when you know, and, and take that to where you're at in, in life. Where were you when I lost my job? Where were you when I was abandoned? Where were you when I was rejected? Did I get lost in the crowd? Were you looking for me? God, do you care? We were on vacation one time and I grew up in Memphis and um, I tell people I grew up in Tennessee and they're like, oh, it's so pretty. I was like, no, I grew up in Memphis. <laughs> really, really rough part of Memphis. But on vacation, uh, we would go camping in a tent. And then I guess my parents started, their jobs progressed. And so then we would go in my middle school to high school years to the beach. And we called the beach uh, the Gulf Shores area. And it's called the Redneck Riviera. Because if you're from the Mid-South, you just go south until you hit a beach. Get a hotel room. And you just walk in and say, do you have any rooms? They say, yeah. Are, are there rats? No. You're good. And so, so I remember, and then you know how they, they put up these, these little fake amusement parks, right? Because you're too broke to take your kids to a real one. So you're going to trick them and take them to the one that has a roller coaster that does this. 
and then maybe a cow or something they can see, or I don't know what it is, an alligator. My son was four years old. He's 20 now. He's four years old at the time we lost him. I didn't lose him. His grandpa lost him. His grandpa lost him because he was buying him cotton candy, which I told him not to buy him. So panic sets in. Panic sets in, and we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, looking, shut the gates down. Somebody stole my kid. We finally find Dylan, and he had, in perfect Dylan fashion, crawled the fence to the carousel and hopped on a horse while I was moving. And he was riding the horse. Four years old. I can remember the, the panic. I can remember the, the heartache. You know, the Bible says Jesus left the 99 to find the one. He talks about the one in the ditch and how the religious people and the government passed him by. But the one who was supposed to have nothing to do with him, the Samaritan stopped and picked him up, paid to heal his wounds. You're not lost in a crowd. No matter what life's done to you or whatever, you're not lost in a crowd. So Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. And I'm still arguing with God about, you know, this is yesterday afternoon. I got to come to church last night and do a service. And I'm like, God, where are you at? Do you care? And then, then from there, he, he, he begins to soften my heart and takes me over the story of Lazarus. And for those of you who aren't students of the Bible, Lazarus is in John chapter 11. I think it's verses 33 through 35. And again, these are just things that were on my heart. Excuse me if I misquote. I believe that's it. And, and, and the story of Lazarus, Lazarus and Jesus were friends. Lazarus was the brother of, of the ladies who were helping Jesus do ministry. And, and, and Lazarus died and he had been dead for four days. And so word is sent and Jesus comes and, and they run out to Jesus in all of the commotion and everybody's crying and they say things like, teacher, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If, if you would have been here, if you would have been around, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have been around, where, in other words, they were asking, where in the world were you, Jesus? This is your friend. You're off healing people and you're off preaching this new gospel and you can't even take care of your friends. And they're mourning and they're crying. And this is one of the most intimate, intimate stories that I read about Jesus in the Bible for my relationship with him. Because first he says, where did you lay the body? I... So get this, Jesus knows he's going to call Lazarus out of the grave. He knows that. He wants to know where the body is. And then, John chapter 11, I believe it's verse 35. And if you've never memorized a scripture before in your life, this is yours right here. Two words, John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And I'm asking God, do you even care? Where are you at in this situation? Jesus wept. And he, he wept. And he didn't weep. He already knew he was going to call Lazarus back to life. He wept 
because those around him were so, so sad. Because those were those that he loved and that loved Lazarus, that inner circle was so, was so sad that he wept. He was moved to emotion because, because th- those people that he counted as friends were so sad about what had happened. He was, Jesus was weeping because he was looking at them going, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're hurting this deeply. It was never supposed to be this way. Death was never supposed to be part of the picture. Sin was never supposed to be part of the picture. And, and Jesus is coming from a standpoint of saying that he knows that's why he's on earth. He knows he's there to be a ransom for our sins so we can be restored back to God. But while he's on earth, he's all God and he's all man. And the, the emotions of his humanity are coming out at this moment going, oh, I can't believe what sin has done to humanity. I can't believe what sin has done. Sin has called death, Romans says. Sin, sin brought death into the picture. That's why the will to survive is so great. That's why you read stories about people getting caught in the wilderness and cutting their own limbs off to survive. We weren't created to die. We have a will to live inside of us, and when that will is gone, that's the enemy crushing that will. And so, God, do you care? And here's Jesus crying. He's crying. No, no two ways about it. He is weeping. First of all, he's moving with compassion for the multitudes. And then Jesus wept, groaned emotionally. And, you know, the, the argument for ear, years, and I see these bumper stickers, real men cry. I mean, I don't think you ought to cry unless you're moved to tears. But if you're moved to tears, I think you ought to cry. I think we have a bad perception of Jesus. Many people think about Jesus as being this wimpy, wimpy really frail guy that walked around like this and we know that's not true because he he was a man's man yet he cried and as he cried he was crying for those that loved Lazarus even though he knew he knew he was going to fix the problem and do you know what he still cries for you and I today he still longs he still hurts for you and I even though he knows the problem's been fixed he fixed the problem at the cross and so you get, you get this idea of, God, do you care? Just full on, let's, let's just be honest. Do you care? And in a room this side, I'm sh- this size, I'm sure there are situations going on that would lend themselves to all, some of us asking, even maybe this very day, I think it's October 23rd, even, even this very day, October 23rd, 2016, God, do you care? Are you going to care tomorrow at work, God? Do you care? And unexplicitly, God shows us in the Bible, yes, yes, I care. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He has compassion on the multitude. He cries about, he, he, he cries, he, he cries because those closest to Lazarus, he hurts with them. He identifies with their pain. The amazing thing about Christianity is we have a Christ who loved us so much he died for us. He, had, he can, If you will allow him into that hurt of your life, he will become an advocate for you to overcome that hurt. And he won't be the voice that says, you're pitiful for hurting. He'll be the voice that says, I know. Wasn't right, but I know. What they did wasn't right, but I know. Come here. Let's get through this together. 
That's who Jesus is. And then I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this and processing, and God's downloading all this into my mind, and then he takes me over to Calgary. He takes me over to the cross. And, and I'm thinking about Jesus on the cross, and then there's that thought that comes in, you know, that human thought, or maybe even the thought of the enemy. How dare you ask me if I care? Look at Jesus on the cross. That's not God. God's not, God's not that way. And let me prove it to you. Remember Thomas? How do we know Thomas? Poor guy. That joker did all kinds of cool stuff. But we know him as? And, and so here's Thomas. And Thomas says, he left us. He abandoned us. He lied to us. And I will not believe that he is actually the Savior, the Messiah, until I put my hands in the holes of his hands. Enters Jesus. And religion says, how dare you doubt? Religion says, Thomas, come here. You know what Jesus did? Hey, buddy, come here. Come here. Read your Bible. That's what Jesus said. Come here, Thomas. If that's what it takes. If it, and, and so, so I'm thinking, God, do you even care? And I'm, I'm picturing Jesus on the cross. And then there's that condemnation that comes in. How could you even ask that question? But then I'm reminded of Jesus and Thomas and saying that's a logical question. But take that, that thought further. There are two other guys on the hill that day. Right? Two criminals. Side by side with Jesus, there's two criminals. And, and the story plays out. Jesus has been beaten beyond recognition. They give him his cross, tell him to carry his cross. He carries it as far as he can. He can't carry it anymore. Simon of Serene then picks up the cross, carries it to the top of the hill. They take Jesus. They nail his hands and feet to the cross. They lift him up. They mock him. They put uh, uh, a sign above him. There's these two criminals that are on both sides of him. And this conversation starts. This conversation starts, and, and the one on this side is hurling insults at Jesus. And he says, hey, hey, if you're really the Messiah, can't you even save yourself? Hey, hey, dummy, hey, doofus, hey, counterfeit, hey, hypocrite, can't you even, you can't even save yourself, is what this guy's saying. And the guy over here looks at his partner in crime, freaking frack, and he goes, dude, we're getting what we deserve. We knew the law and we broke it. We knew the law, we broke it. This man has done nothing. There, he's, there he hangs on the cross. He's beaten. Crown of thorns in his head. We lost our whole fence in the storm. And when I say whole fence, there's a lot of fence. And we lost a lot of other stuff. We lost our fence. And so last Friday, me and my ranch hand, <laughs> my wife, we, we have a dog that thinks it's human. Therefore, it can't stay inside all the time because it feels like it's missing out. He's got FOMO, fear of missing out. And, um, and he's just part of the family, very protective. If you ever come to my house, please tell me you're coming. You'll get bit um, until you get to know him and he'll love you and he'll protect you. But, but, but so we, we had to put up this silk fence 
so the dog could go outside. So the dog can go outside and he can do his thing. We had to put up this little fence because if he makes it to the road, we're afraid he's going to hijack a car because he thinks he's human and then we can just see him. (laughs) But we get to the back. We get to the back of the fence and there's this plant that had grown through part of the fence. And I've since learned they're called bougainvilleas. I've never got that much response out of you, like, (laughs) ever. I didn't know what a bougainvillea was. I'm from Tennessee, and we're not stupid enough to plant a plant like that. (laughs) So, I find a saw, if that's what you want to call it, in my repertoire of saws, if you can imagine, only time I ever like cutting trees is if I'm cutting for a deer stand so I can see this way or that way or that way. So I get this saw and, and, I'm, and I've got to get the, the plant away from the, the falling down fence plank. So I'm right in the middle of this thing and it's such a dull saw and I'm going Whoosh. and when I go forward the bougainvillea on the back like the bush goes Whoosh, on my back. And when I come back it's going, and I won't embarrass you or me, but I, I got scratches all over me. That'd be awkward, wouldn't it? Take, take my word for it. And so here's my ranch hand trying to, well, let me, let me hold that part. Ah! And she's jumping back in, let me hold that part. Ah! So sweetie, I got blood running all down my arms. You know, I'm like, would you just go over there? You know, I already feel like this big of a man with me and my saw. But man, there was this one, there's this one point where I, I really cranked down on one and it caused, it finally broke loose and then caused one to come around and smack me and it didn't scratch me, it stuck me. But that long. And I didn't tell Raina this at the time, but immediately when that happened, I thought about Jesus. I did. I thought about what it must have been like for them to make that crown of thorns while they're mocking him. King of the Jews. Can't even save yourself. And then they placed that on his head and they just didn't put it there. They pressed it down. Pressed it down on his head into his skull. And here I am fighting with these little bees thorns and it hurt. So I thought about that. And let's go back to the three the two and the one. This guy's going, hey, he didn't even do anything to deserve. Why don't you shut up? And remember, I'm asking God, do you care? Do you even care? And so this guy, light bulb moment, he's dying. Kind of a, what do I have to lose? He says, hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. And he, he says these words, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Smart dude. Smart dude. Now here, here's the point I'm trying to make. God, do you even care? Because at this moment, Isaiah tells us Jesus, the, he has been beaten beyond recognition. He's had a thorn placed in his head. He's hanging on the cross naked, even though we like to 
to, to dress that up a little bit. It is what it is. They stripped him. They beat him. He's naked. He's got a thorn. He's got a crown of thorns in his head. He, he's trying to breathe because, you know, if someone lasted long enough on a cross, they would break their legs so the rib cage would fall down on the lungs so they couldn't breathe. And that's how a crucifixion person would die is because they couldn't breathe. And so he's heaving for every breath. And here's this guy saying, hey, when you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? Now, if this isn't such a picture of a God that cares, I don't know what is. Because at this very moment, if this next line wasn't in the Bible, we wouldn't think any less of Jesus. There'd be theologians that explained away that he was unconscious or he had done what he needed to do or he just couldn't hear because of the blood that was clogging his ears or he just couldn't, couldn't comprehend because he had been beaten so much. You know, we can explain away a lot, can't we? But thank God we don't have to. Because this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, son, today you will be with me in paradise. I could go into how much that proves Jesus knew he was the Messiah. But, but the idea behind that, God, do you even care? Do you, do you really even care? And Jesus said the greatest moment, the greatest moment of his need, which he could have ignored that guy because that guy was getting what he deserved. Don't forget that. He's telling this other guy, hey, and listen, that's what the gospel's about. That's what the grace of God's about. We all deserve death. We're all imperfect. We've all made mistakes. Some of us hide them better than others, but, but we all are sinners. And that guy realized that. He's like, I'm, dude, we're getting what we deserve. He didn't do anything. So he cried out, hey, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And you know, I, this isn't biblical, but you know how my mind works. I plan on meeting that guy. And I, you know, I just kind of think he's going to be one of those guys that just does what needs to be done in heaven. He's just always going to be around. So happy to be with Jesus because he knows he didn't deserve it. And isn't that every one of us? And if you've gotten so good at being so perfect you should take a step back and remember you need Jesus. Yes. God, do you care? I'm hurting. Do you care? Do you care that I lost my job? Do you care that I was rejected? Do you care that my parents left me? Do you care that my child's wavered? Do you care that my finances are the way they are? Do you care that I lost a friend to tragedy? Do you care? Do you care? And with a resounding yes, through his love letter to us, he said, yeah, I care. And then, and then, Knowing I had to get here last night and the Lord's just laying this stuff on my heart and I'm writing. I, he takes me over to, to Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It, it says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. And I love this. Come to me. And he doesn't say, come to me, all you who are perfect. Come to me, all you who have perfect church attendance, which all of you would be screwed. (laughs) 
Come to me, all who give money. Come to me, all who are a certain color. Come to me, all who come from a certain type of family. No. He says, to all of humanity, come to me. And he, he, he hones it in. So there's an invitation. And there, then there's this identifying of who's invited. All of you who are weary and burdened. All of you who are weary and burdened. There's an invitation. There's a definition of who's on that list. And then there's a promise. Come to me, all of you, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. And there's the promise. I will give you rest. And he follows that up by using a farming analogy. And I know most of us, and he uses the word yoke. That's a farm word and a foreign word to some of us. I know a lot of you and most of us aren't going to go home and yoke up cows today after church. But in that day, it was very applicable. He says, look, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Notice he doesn't say, come to me and I will judge you. Come to me and I will beat you for your sins. Come to me. And he says, I'm gentle and humble of heart. And oh, that the world would see a God and a Christ like that. How have we made him out to be such a monster when all he did was give his life for us? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke. The idea behind a yoke is you would take two oxen. And when one would fall behind, the other would be strong. So you would take an older seasoned oxen that understood how to plow straight and how to keep going. And you would put a younger one with it. And when the younger one thought, I'm tired, I'm going to quit, the older one would keep going. Thus the younger one learned to keep going. And when the younger one couldn't pull its weight, the older one would pull the weight and the plow would keep going. And Jesus is using that farming illustration to say, I will give you rest. Come Come on and take my yoke for my burden is easy it's light why can he say that because he's overcome the world wow so God do you care yeah he cares yeah I look across this room and I see so many friends and people that I've walked through hard times with yeah he cares I look across this room and I don't know some of you I can tell you he cares See, Jason, my life doesn't point towards the fact that he cares right now. He does. He does. And for those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we, we, we do that by faith. No one can sprinkle you or dunk you or decide for you. Salvation is you putting your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. It's between you. No one can do that for you. It's a personal decision. And when you do that, You put your faith in Jesus and then that faith grows and it's in times of trial that the enemy wants to tear that faith away. And I would submit to you, it's in those times where you got to suit up and remember, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions as long as that doesn't turn into unbelief. Wrestle with God. Wrestle with God. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. I raised two kids and, and I love, they're both grown now, and I absolutely love when they come back and ask hard questions, still to this day. 
I mean, when they were like three and four and five, I thought those were the hard questions. Why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Now they're really hard. Wrestle with God. I tell you this, maybe you're here today and you're like some people last night or the first service this morning and you've asked the question, God, do you care? And maybe spiritually, like spiritually, you've been searching and wondering and God, how could you be God of love and allow bad things to happen? Sin entered in. One man did something that made us sinners and that was Adam and one man did something that made us righteous in God's sight and that was Jesus. And that's our faith. That's our blessed hope. That's what this Bible teaches. That's why we're here today. I don't, I don't sugarcoat that at all. This Bible says there is one way to spend eternity with God in heaven and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's through putting your faith in Jesus. Bible says in Romans 5, there's only one way to have peace with God. Because Jesus was that peace offering. It's, it's the bridge. Jesus built a bridge for us to spend eternity with God. It's putting your faith in Jesus. Have you done that? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Do you need to be saved? I'm not asking you about coming back here ever again. I don't, I'm not asking you about... I'm just asking you right now, do you feel in your heart that you need to be at peace with God? And you know that you know that you know that you're not. And right now, you honestly, truly feel God dealing with your heart. Just you and God. Outside of emotion, a for real feeling. You feel the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart right now. And you know that you need, you need to be at peace with God. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Thus starts the journey. Would you bow your head all over this place before we're dismissed? Everybody's heads are bowed. Nobody's moving around. If you don't have to, please. We're about to be dismissed. If that's you and you say, Jason, I know right now, outside of emotion, just me and God, just between me and God, I know right now that I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. If that's you, I want to pray with you right in this very special moment. Maybe out of tragedy this week, just like last night and this morning, new life will come. That's how God works many times. If that's you, you say, Jason, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I need to be at peace with God. Would you just slip your hand up? All over this place, I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just put them right back down. Anyone else? Say, man, I, I know. I know. I'm not asking you if I ever see you again. I'm just asking you about this moment in time. I'm asking you about the war that's going on inside of you right now. Will you give in to the good of God and give Him your heart and let Him have it? Anyone else before we pray? If you raised your hand, Patsy's under the screen by the table up here after we're done. Would you please come up and get a Bible and a devotion and talk with her? But if you raise your hand right where you sit right now, will you pray with me? God, thank you for loving me. And God, I'm understanding right now that even though circumstance doesn't, doesn't really point itself or hasn't to the fact that you love me, I understand that you do love me. 
And I'm understanding right now that you love me so much you gave your only son to die for me. And so in my heart right now, I'm confessing and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. That Jesus Christ took my death and sin on the cross. And that Jesus Christ was placed in a grave. And he rose from that grave on the third day and he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, I I receive forgiveness, God. I receive the gift of salvation. Lord, I know by no means am I going to be perfect, but I'm going to walk this thing out. Give me the boldness to come up and get a Bible and a devotion and tell someone about my decision. But most of all, God, thank you that today I realize that you care. No matter what this world throws my way, I know that I know that I know that you care. You care. You care. God, nothing, nothing in the world can throw my way, takes that away from me. In Jesus' name, amen.